day after the election, financial markets are dislocated. So, I'm looking at my dashboard. And the time frame I'm looking at five days. So I'm just looking back one trading week. And on my dashboard, I have the US dollar index, US 10 year treasury note, gold features, S&P E-mini features, and crude oil features. Typically, I look at them in terms of risk assets and safe haven assets. So my risk assets would be gold, the S&P, and crude oil. And my safe haven assets would be the dollar and U.S. 10-year treasury. This week, it seems like, well, two things. Typically, the dollar and the 10-year trade together... As sentiment changes. So risk sentiment or market sentiment changes towards more risk than you typically see the dollar sell off and 10 year treasury sell off as investors raise cash to invest in riskier assets. And at the same time, you see riskier assets like gold, stocks, commodities, crude oil increase as investors pile money into those positions. When the sentiment changes, typically you tend to see the dollar and the 10 year treasury appreciate, and risk assets like gold, stocks, and commodities. Depreciate as investors pull cash out of the risky assets and buy safe haven assets or safe haven investments. With the dollar, it's typically a measure of investors wanting liquidity versus investors not wanting excess liquidity. So when international investors want liquidity, they buy dollars. When they don't want excess liquidity, they sell their dollars and buy other investments in other currencies. So yeah, with the whole election thing, at least over the uh, past couple days, we had both stocks and bonds appreciating. At the same time. Which is weird. Simultaneously. We had. The dollar depreciating. 
So the two disconnects. Because looking at gold and crude oil, or the commodity complex, I see the reaction function functioning normally. As the dollar is being sold off, gold and crude oil are appreciating as commodities should. And frankly, so is the S&P, but there's a disconnect with that. So gold and crude oil are reacting normally to movements in the dollar. The S&P by itself appears to be acting normally in relation to the dollar as it's also appreciating while the dollar's been depreciating. But then the relationship breakdown comes in with the 10-year. So... So really and truly, the uh, the ten-year bonds are the standout. That's the standout because its relationship it has broken down with both the dollar and the S and P, while the dollar, the S and P, and gold, dollar S and P, gold, and crude oil, their relationship remains intact. The relationship with the ten-year has broken. So. We're looking at the 10-year appreciating. It's basically trading like a risk asset. So while the dollar's down, the 10-year's been appreciating. It's been... It's weird because the 10-year the is supposed to be the, the safe haven asset. And instead, due to market dislocations around the election, the 10-year is now trading like a risk asset. It will be interesting to see how long this persists for. But also the market sentiment does seem to be dislocated completely from macroeconomic fundamentals. By that I mean stock market is... Constantly making new highs, or not new highs, but trending higher at a time of market uncertainty. Typically, investors sell risk assets when there's uncertainty. In this instance, there's uncertainty around the election. There's uncertainty around COVID cases in the United States. There's uncertainty about the short-term economic outlook for Europe as they're shutting down due to COVID. And how that's going to affect the holiday season, how that's going to affect global supply chains. And how that bleeds into Asia. And yet stock markets are surging. Oil is also appreciating in price, which makes no sense because a third of the, the planet is shutting down. At least the a third of the industrial planet is shutting down, which should automatically mean less demand for oil, yet oil prices are appreciating. And gold. 
Gold is appreciating from a fundamental reason. Gold should not be appreciating because what we've witnessed in the longest expansion in U.S. economic history is that the Fed cannot generate inflation right now. European Central Bank cannot generate inflation right now. Bank of England cannot generate sustainable inflation. Bank of Japan cannot generate inflation. Commodity prices have no reason to push higher. Therefore, emerging market commodity exporting economies should see a slowdown in their growth. All these things point towards a long dollar. So the macro fundamentals are pointing towards long dollar. Yet the dollar is selling off. The disconnect, though, is with the 10-year treasury market. How does the Fed play a role in this? I really don't. I really don't see how quantitative easing should play a role in this, but the fact that the Fed has made certain commitments in the bond market has affected the decision-making process of bond traders. And so now, in times of uncertainty, we have 10-year treasuries trading like a risk asset. I guess the idea that at some point the uncertainty ends, we have, at least around the surrounding the election, and then the markets can resume normal functionality. And based on what we were doing before this all started with the whole election, dollar was appreciating because COVID cases were increasing. And now with a divided government, there's less chance of large stimulus from the federal, uh, from the U.S. government. So that's another thing that doesn't really bode well for the economy and an economic expansion. So why would investors be selling their dollars to buy riskier foreign assets? Priced in foreign currencies makes no sense not going into that kind of economic outlook. So the idea must be that once the election is settled, we get back to business as usual. Markets get back to their normal functioning. The dollar resumes appreciation. The 10-year treasury no longer trades like a risk asset and is back in line with the dollar. Gold appreciates because, in all honesty, central banks should be more concerned about deflationary pressures at this point because interest rates are so low and there's no room to for monetary policy to accommodate other than through quantitative easing 
But it also means that through debt monetization, and especially the way the Federal Reserve is set up with the Treasury, where the Federal Reserve is not a profit-making entity, so interest it earns on, on bonds that it buys, it then remits back to the Treasury. If the Treasury issues a bunch of debt and the Fed buys it... <laughs> And keeps the to support the price, keeping interest rates low. The federal government then has to pay that interest to the Federal Reserve, which it then turns around and hands back to the Treasury as a profit. It just creates a closed loop and really shouldn't increase the money supply. <laughs> because the, the money never really well, it makes it into the economy, but it shouldn't increase the money supply to the point where you have a worry about runaway inflation. Other central banks, I'm not sure how they do that, but I think as long as the debt is dot denominated in the local currency, i.e., the way the Bank of Japan has been doing it, it may not it may not be a long term problem, especially with aging uh, aging population and the the trends that demographics are moving towards with automation and artificial intelligence and especially now highlighted by COVID-19 the importance or the vulnerability around supply chains around people all in all the 10-year treasury market is disconnected from the rest of the market. And market participants, based on macro fundamentals, should not be buying risk assets. And instead should be buying liquidity. And should be buying long-term debt as it seems like the threat of deflation is more prevalent than the threat of inflation at this point. And in that scenario, being that the United States of the major developed economies probably has the youngest population or at least has a, a easier pathway to Maintaining a young population compared to Japan and uh, other major developed economies in Europe like Germany, some of the Scandinavian countries as well, um, France, the UK, where the population is aging and birth rates are falling and pair that with xenophobia or restrictive immigration policies. The idea is over time, the concern is deflation, regardless of how expansionary monetary policy is, regardless of how expansionary fiscal policy is. Over time, as the population ages and productivity gains shift away from households into corporations and into capital holders, 
the issue is more deflation than inflation. And in that scenario, I think that still bodes better for the dollar because the United States has both the population and with immigration, the ability to keep keep an inflow of young people compared to other countries. But with the current path it's on with uh, the political climate, I think it's setting itself up for needing some rebranding after this is all over to convince people that this is still a place worth coming and investing in <laughs> and living in your families. All right, that's it. After the election. <laughs>